Wow. Welcome back to the Big Freedom Show. I'm one of your hosts, Charlie Thompson. With me, as always, the king himself, John King, and your favorite lispy libertarian, Nate Thurston. Man, it feels good to be back. It's snowing outside, but we're dedicated to this show for all of you. I just got back from a cruise. It doesn't feel good to be back at all. Well, it was 65 here yesterday, so that's probably close to what you were It was about 80, 75, like zero humidity. I was thinking of Nate. And Charlie the whole time. Are you feeling sick yet? After this big change? You know, I, I don't feel sick at all. I did get a, I ate some bad food on the way out the door. Everything else was fantastic, but uh, I've recovered. Yeah, was that bad food mixed with also tons of really good bourbon at the same time? Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> there may have been a little bourbon. A couple couple of them. You've yep. sampled some. You wanted to know for yeah, the... Yeah, I was looking for, the, for future yeah. candidates of the whiskey It's market of the research. Week. It's no problem. You're just doing further research for the we big did, We did try show. a really good one on there called Jack Gold. And so we're going to have to... I'm going to make Charlie buy that bottle, but we're going to try it one day. <laughs> so you went on a celebrity cruise. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that That's was a little right. bit different. Um, you know, I'll cover this on my cruise reviews podcast. <laughs> it's coming soon. Good. Look, look out for it. Big King freedom, reviews. big C's. Did you uh, did you have this uh, this guy right here on the cruise? You know, uh, so this week's whiskey of the week that we're trying here is a really rare one from Willet Distillery. So a little bit of trivia here. I won't go too deep. It's made in Bardstown, and they actually have not been distilling bourbon on site for very long. They just started doing that a little while ago. And one of the things that they do. Hold on, hold on. This is this week's. Uh, whiskey, whiskey of the, the week. week. All right, keep going, John. There you go. Uh, anyway, one of the things that they do distill there on site is this family estate bottled small batch rye. Comes in at 109 proof. This stuff is hard to get. You might have to fight someone. And it, in my opinion, tastes like nothing I have ever had. I don't know what you guys think. My first impression was it was more of a European bourbon like a like an irish whiskey but it's made in kentucky like an irish kentucky bourbon yes for sure no um for being a rye again we have another rye happening here way better than the last rye we had for sure yeah i think the interesting thing is it's so much rye it doesn't even taste like anything you've ever had it's like 70 percent rye which is kind of crazy i don't remember what that was that i brought that um that was rye i had no idea you have to go back and check that that episode (laughs) back in the uh files the the archives but i think it's pretty good go around the table guys nate start with you um for in the rye category okay do you need to drop in 50 bucks for the bottle hmm very the, hard to find. For the rye category, I got to go 8.5. I'm, I'm actually a little less this time with a 7.5. I'm going to go with an 8. And only because it's it's amazing and different, which that's the thing. We're usually splitting hairs here. This is very different. But for the money, I'm going to go with an 8. Well, that was this week's Whiskey, Whiskey of the, the week. week. That was a lot better this time. We really nailed it. Yeah, I felt like I knew what was going on. I could see it coming. <laughs> yeah, I realized that we forgot to say it at the beginning, so I, I figured we needed to. That was such a nice segue. You just pitched my way. <laughs> I just sort of caught it and went running and there tried not go. to trip. You have to throw it in there. I want to clarify one thing real quick, just so everyone knows how dedicated I am to this. This is important. Last week, and if you, in case you didn't notice, go back and listen to last week's episode. Uh, I did have my tooth extracted. We didn't mention it on the show, and. 
I was um, on some medication and I still wanted it, to be part. It didn't seem like it took effect until about halfway through whenever you sort of floated back into the conversation. So I just wanted to let you know I'm, I'm dedicated to the big freedom it's show like a with pillowy you guys. cloud. With your and medication, you were also dedicated to the whiskey of the week on that episode. I had also. two sips. You did a, yeah, it was like a thimble. Right. You can't mix that kind of stuff. And even yeah. so, you were it wasn't good. But he's back. He's good. He's got a hole in his mouth. There you go. You're sounding like Charlie today. Good to go. We have this uh, segment that we tried out last week that I think we're going to go again. This is where I get on Twitter and I try to just take down all of you crazy people out there and uh, just go on Twitter. If you want to follow me doing this, just go to at Big Freedom Show on Twitter. Uh, we can talk about some good stuff. I go on there. Honestly, I try to start some fights just so I can see what people's mindset is these days. What are we up against? Which we what? should note, you're starting fights by just presenting yeah. an argument and by, in some cases, just presenting facts yeah. and the truth. My way of starting fights is by presenting factual information in a very mature way. And normally, whenever you do that with a lot of these people, it devolves into some crazy situation. It goes downhill quickly. Yeah. It's like a bobsled team. So when it goes into that, I really just, I want to see how low they can go, just for fun. So this is a nice they go, they go low, we go lower. <laughs> this is a nice conversation I had on a thread of uh, was it House Republicans I saw come across there? Is that who it is? Yeah. Um, so they were posting uh, about all the good things they got done last year. Uh, so they let us know that they uh, they had 544 bills come out of committee. And they had 477 bills uh, pass the House come out of the House last last year. And uh, of course, everyone's talking about how. Uh, the Trump administration and Congress has done nothing. So they're saying, well, we had 477 bills come out of the House, um, 378 of which are stuck in the Senate. So that was their post. Stifling senators. Yep. Which I would first, before I'm we get into the I'm not going to try to say that here. because of the, the lisp yeah. thing. Why so, are they doing yeah. so much? That's, I mean. <laughs> that's Yeah, I want to see all those numbers equal zero most of the time. And, and what the are truth. these bills? <laughs> I don't even really want to know, but we're going to start it off here. I'm going to be the voice of the big freedom show, Mr. Nate, the lisping libertarian. But once again, I do not lisp online. This is clearly way you less get, If you want to get the very best Nate yeah. at big freedom show. Okay, and Charlie, who are you? I am Robert McFan at Robert McFan one on Twitter. So Robert McFan decided to reply to this House GOP tweet, and he said, "I'm going to do my best, Robert." All right. McFan so from now voice. on, you are Robert McFan. Embody him. Go ahead. And not one bill that would benefit the middle class or poor. <laughs> is he, That's the GOP. Go team. Or is he British or something? What was that? <laughs> I think he's from Washington State. Uh, okay. Let's, let's yeah. see where we go on the next one here. Freeing up money to be spent on productive uses rather than government waste is a good thing for everyone. Have you ever been employed by a poor person? Why so much hatred for the people that invest their money and create jobs? As a police officer, I was employed by the poor. Unlike the extreme rich, they pay taxes. <laughs> so he said, he just said, just to break in. I couldn't um, finish that. Wait, this is my dramatic moment that you created, Nate. He just broke in and said that the poor, as a police, uh, the poor paid his salary and that the extreme rich, they don't pay taxes. So he was employed by the poor because the taxpayers paid his salary. But there's more. At Big Freedom Show says, actually, the bottom income bracket 
pays just 0.4% of the income taxes the government takes in. The top income bracket plays 70% of the income taxes. Have you ever looked up a stat on this? Because that might have been the dumbest statement I've heard on Twitter today. Robert McFahan chimes back in. I I have to burst your bubble. The state of Washington does not have an income tax. It relies on sales tax. So since there are far more middle class, which are dwindling and poor, which which are increasing, then there are top income earners. Then I know who pays the majority of taxes. Were you stuttering? No, that's just the way that he said that. His basic point was that there's a a lot of middle-class people and that there's no uh, income tax in Washington. Are you suggesting that the poor spend a greater dollar amount of money in Washington than the rich? Since they're all under the same sales tax, I'd say it's hard to say that the rich pay no taxes and the poor pay all of them. I'll stop tweeting you now, but holy crap, that was a ridiculous statement you made. The mindset of people these days is terrifying. Look up some kind of stats before you make your mind up based on Facebook memes. I'm going to proceed to drop a few stats here. You can't see them, but they're really good. And since you're a police officer, your salary came mostly from money from property taxes and sales taxes. You also only got paid by property owners and people that spend a lot of money. And that's Ben's this week. And that's... (laughs) You rubbed your lisp off on me. (laughs) Uh, Gross. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's been this week's Trolling with, with Nate. Nate. So in essence, this guy is basically saying that only poor people pay the, his salary and rich people don't do anything. They yeah, just... that's the way he thinks. He's literally, he was a police officer and his mindset is that since uh, in his mind, by the way, they only have sales taxes in Washington. So since there is a way more middle class people than there are extremely rich people, well then... Most of our sales tax money most must have came from all the poor people, which, by the way, middle class people aren't poor people. Uh, he said that poor people pay his salary. Um, so he, but he did mention that the middle class was dwindling. Yeah, um, he said that the the poor people are paying his salary, and uh, I was just pointing out that the rich people buy way more stuff, guys. And if you're just uh, paying a sales tax that there's a lot better chance that the rich still pay more taxes. And not to mention, he had no idea that they also have a business tax and property taxes, which are obviously getting paid by business owners and people who own property. And that's and also the, going... the more property you have, what are you going to do? You're going to pay a little bit more. <laughs> I guess you're going to pay more taxes. I mean, so. I think we've, we've delved into this before, but really a sales tax is probably the most progressive tax structure you could possibly have. Yeah, I guess, and, guess he didn't get the memo. <laughs> no, he didn't. He did not get that. He was uh, just wanting to help the poor people who are the people that paid his policeman's salary. So, anyway, glad he got his. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> In other news, you won't believe it, but Trump has said something controversial that is just like the media is blowing up about again. And so in a meeting in regards to immigration, Trump came out and basically said that countries like Haiti and other African countries are s-hole countries. I think what he said was whole countries. And if you've been watching CNN, the stat that I read was that by 3 p.m. today, they had said whole countries. Th- thank you. Okay. We don't want to get a fine here in the podcasting world. They had said whole countries approximately 47 times. Each analyst that came on came on and talked about that Donald Trump had said that countries like Haiti and other African nations were 
whole countries. <laughs> I hear that's not very presidential. We probably shouldn't be saying shithole, but... I would agree with that. Not the most presidential thing that he could have said. But then again, we are talking about President Donald Trump. And on the list of non-presidential things he's done, probably, I don't know, it's got to be right on the average line for that, right? There's no nuclear for war involved. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um, I just wanted to say, I don't want to... I'm not trying to talk bad about any of these countries, but through my travels, through playing um, with the with Armed Forces Entertainment, so playing music there, we we did go through some African countries. We went through, uh, well, Ethiopia, and we went through Djibouti. Um, you know, that's and, right and up there. And some, some Middle Eastern countries that yeah, were a little through sketchy. a lot of Middle, Middle Eastern countries. Um, it's not entirely inaccurate to say that those are s-hole countries. Uh, I, I don't think that that means that you're saying that the people in those countries suck or that we don't care about those people. Those countries suck. Like, they're they're terrible the, situations. Yeah, the reality is it's a big investment bringing someone over from... It's a big <laughs> lift. You're lifting someone from a situation where they barely know civilized society into arguably the most prosperous country in the history of the world. And I think what he's saying is... Why do we necessarily need those people? Why should they be prioritized over others? I, yeah, now, now I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I I'm that way on the immigration part. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that part. What what I was saying is I saw some people that um, said Trump was just talking bad about the people of those countries. And what I'm saying is those countries suck. They are terrible. They are s whole countries. And I don't think that we should say that he was inaccurate in calling them that. What you're saying, and I think you've echoed this too, Charlie, feel free to chime in. You guys are for, you know, open immigration, open legal immigration and a, an easy process basically for that. I, I think what they're saying is, or what he was trying to say, I don't even know if he meant to say it, but this is kind of what came out, is that we shouldn't really be giving preferential treatment to these underdeveloped countries. What do you guys think about that? Well, Yeah. I, th I think in overall, he was trying to say that people that can provide value, we should let in over people that can't. Which these, but he's people, are getting, these people are getting priority because they're coming from an underdeveloped country. So we're kind of giving to what's going to take a bigger lift, arguably. Yeah. Giving them a, a spot at the front of the line. And, and I have no problem with Trump, <laughs> what he actually said. But when you put it into context. So bad the way he said it. Yes, when you put it into context that he was having an immigration meeting, and then you have his base, which I'm, which quite a few of my friends on Facebook are Trump's base, um, they all were fired up, and basically they were the ones that started like bad mouthing people of those countries that that those people have no value and they're they, almost like they're less human, and so I kind of got in an argument today uh, based on those comments where I was t trying to tell people that. What Trump necessarily said isn't a bad thing, but when you put it into context of trying to determine who provides actual value to the country and whether they should be la allowed in or not, uh, that's completely wrong because that's such a, such a subjective point of view to say, what if what if a little boy or girl in Haiti is, is the next little boy or girl that's going to cure cancer, but if they don't have the opportunities that we do here in America and they're not allowed to immigrate because they're from an S O country, then we'll never cure Let's cancer. Let's call them soul countries from now on. Yeah. <laughs>
I like that shoal. I, I did a little bit of digging too because I don't know if you guys saw, but I guess back in 2010 there was some controversy about him making some more Haiti comments, and I, I'm sitting there going, maybe this is a little before my time. What's with the whole Haiti prejudice thing? And I guess what he said back in 2010 was that everyone from and he he said he ha- didn't say this, but basically that everyone from Haiti had AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I mean, I don't. I know don't if, think that's true. I don't know. If, no, I think the statement's definitely not true. I wouldn't yeah. put it past him saying it. Uh, and I, I'm kind of like, where did this come from? And I guess for people in his age group, which were not a bunch of ageists here, but I guess that was a big thing back in the '80s when AIDS first broke out here in the states. That people thought it came from Haiti, and so people from Haiti were there was a lot of like persecution of Haitians. And they couldn't even donate blood until 1994 because they were just sort of like scorched earth for blood donations. So there, there's a little bit of context that kind of made people go even crazier because of some of his last alleged comments. I just want people to think that all humans have value and we should treat them as such. And the real problem is not immigration. It's the welfare state. And I get it. You don't want to bring people here that all they're going to do is suck on the teat of government, right? You don't want to do that. Yeah, as a fiscal conservative, that's my first thing that I think of. I'm like, oh, they're not going to know how to work. They're not going to be able to get a job. And the first thing you think is they're going to be a drag on society. And we shouldn't have to think that way. Right. And the problem is, though, is not that they're sucking on the teat of government. That's the fact that the teat's there to begin with, right? Milton Friedman. If you build it. Milton Friedman (laughs) did an amazing an, an amazing uh, video uh, when he was given a speech on this and he said, illegal immigration is always good as long as it's illegal, because if you're illegal, you don't qualify for the majority of those benefits. There are some today that you do, but his argument was that before 1914, before immigration was actually force, forcibly illegal, he was saying no one cared. People just came here. We're a nation of immigrants. People came here from all over the place to make a better life, better life for themselves. And they were able to do that because there weren't government handouts. They had to work hard or you weren't going to make it. And that's not the story today. Yeah, you didn't get your American dream starter kit, right? Whenever you came across the border, you know, Packed got- full of other people's money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah Brim- that's, that's to my big, uh, to echo what Charlie's saying. Um, the problem here is not, immigration. It's not what country the people are coming from. It's that when they come here, uh, if there's a chance that they're more than likely going to get on the government dole, that's what we're talking about. That's the only reason Trump probably said that. If there wasn't a welfare state to begin with, I doubt he's making any comments about what countries immigrants are coming from today. So let's just, I always like to attack the problem. The problem is not that people from shoal countries in Africa are uh, going to come here and, and take on the welfare state. But uh, do you like the shoal part? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to get to work on developing this American Dream starter kit. You guys can buy you that can on the yeah. Big Freedom Show store, along with the Katie Bake Freedom Cake. <laughs> coming, so, coming soon. <laughs> Charlie's going to get that on Shopify. Check it out. But anyway, we had some other uh, crazy stuff happening, right, Charlie? We're going to talk about a little bit of... Freedom. I'm not sure if this will be a new segment, but this is uh, this is some news that just really makes me angry. I just I get so we've all mad got one of those these types of things. And uh, let, let's just go ahead. We'll start with the article from CNN Politics. 
And it basically comes out and says that the House of Representatives passed legislation reauthorizing the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which is a key tool of the U.S. intelligence community, despite President Donald Trump's tweeted criticism of the government's surveillance program. So now it goes to the Senate, but the fact that the House passed it to begin with, I mean, the vote was 256 to 164. So you have 256 uh, Congress members of the House of Representatives that think that they just think it's okay that they can take whatever information that you have as an American citizen and just store it. And if they want to use it against you, they can. They don't have to get a warrant. They don't have to follow already established law that we've had for over 200 years in this country. And you literally have maybe five or six guys throughout all of Congress that are actually fighting this. One in particular who's very adamant about it. And we're all fans of Rand Paul, but Rand Paul came out and tweeted, no American should have their right to privacy taken away, exclamation. I think he was yelling because I kind of am. Filibuster, hashtag, he tweeted. And it's just, it, it, it blows my mind that more people aren't angry about something like this. We want to thank Kentucky for giving us a little bit of sanity. Thank you guys. Keep it up. We love Rand. <laughs> it's been a great thing to have Rand Paul out there. Uh, you know, I know all you, I've said this before, I know all you libertarians are just sitting there wishing like, man, it still would have been better to have Rand Paul as the president right now, right? You know, if you're a libertarian, you're, you're thinking that. You're thinking that just a little bit. But he's filibustered this before. Uh, was it like 13 hours last time he did? Somewhere around there. Now, he's just coming off of some really bad lung injuries and, and pneumonia. He might not be able and, to and go that long. I hope he gets some help. So uh, I think it's very impressive if he gets up there and talks for a, for a really long time. But bottom line is, in the Constitution, we've got the Fourth Amendment. We're supposed to have a right to privacy. Uh, the government getting a secret court warrant that says they can search Verizon Wireless and that uh, applying to 100 million people, and now they can just store all of your information, search through all of your records. That is in no way, shape, or form what the Constitution was intended to allow. And all these people out here who love the Constitution and just love talking about it, why are you okay with it being broken in this circumstance? I do not understand. So has Trump come out with a position on this yet? So this is where this could be a good thing. So... What, before you know the he House was personally vote, affected. Yes, because before the House <laughs> voted on it, Trump tweeted, he said, House votes on controversial, controversial FISA Act today. This is the act that may have been used with the help of the discredited and phony dossier to so badly surveil and abuse the Trump campaign by the previous administration and others. Yeah, so, he, he's talking about the, the dirty dossier, let's as say, they've coined it. Yeah, let's say that, you know, Rand Paul's filibuster doesn't work because it didn't last time when they got this thing through again. Maybe we'll have a president that won't sign it. I mean, good for Trump. Or, or maybe some Democrats will actually step up here because that's a, you know, they've had expressed some concerns with this in the past. There's too. even, there's Democrats supporting it, though. That's the problem. Which is just bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you guys want us to be safe? Aren't, aren't, is it that you guys From don't like From what I like understand, this hasn't ever stopped anything. No. It's, it's just really done some terrible no. stuff. It's a, it's probably good for after the fact to go back and look at things. But um, if there's one thing the government does, it's everything wrong. 
So if you're assuming that they're going to be able to just uh, monitor everyone at one point in time and just perfectly, you know, do this kind of TV show investigation that you see, uh, probably not going to happen that way. And to clarify, I think what Trump is talking about specifically is the unmasking of the other people's names. Um, without cause. Without <laughs> cause. And that's the that's the issue. So whenever you get a warrant and I, and I am going to surveil uh, Charlie here in this room... I'm not supposed to release the names of all the other people that he talked to. I'm supposed if to... If they're American. Yeah, if they're if they're American. I'm not supposed to let out all of their names. And the issue was they started unmasking all of these names in, in these conversations. They've probably been doing it for a lot longer than we think. I, probably more in the last couple months, you think? Yes. Okay, <laughs> it's a good chance. Now, you mentioned the Fourth Amendment, which actually I want to get back to, because what does that even mean? Well, the Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So... This is not a new concept, by the way. Just so people know, the Constitution isn't something radically new. It's over 600 years of history of people being treated a certain way by governments, and they knew that to prevent, to try and prevent the government from doing that, they created a constitutional republic to try and restrict the federal government and the Bill of Rights. And this amendment comes up forth because what happens all the time when the government has too much power and they're able to search you without cause and try to prevent pre-crime and all these things, you lose liberty. And the founders knew this. And so not only did they say that, that you can't have, um, that there's no unreasonable searches or seizures, they even specifically said that you have to describe the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. What the FISA court does is none of this. It's a secret court, not so secret anymore, but they're at, their proceedings are secret where some government official who has clearance can go to this secret judge who's appointed by no one. And we'll never know what argument they use yes. to get the warrant. We'll never know the argument. We don't know who the judges are. We don't know what they're... In fact, I think I read like one only 1% of requests were actually denied. Like literally you can go say, hey, I want to surveil whoever I want. And they just be like, yeah, sure, approve because there's no... Uh, no, there's nobody to watch over them. There's nobody to hold them accountable for anything. And so what I find hilarious is a lot of people argue, Nate or John, I mean, if you have nothing to hide, what's the point? What? It's pretty easy to make anything look terrible. Yeah. Where, where, what bothers me is uh, uh, all these people, and I, I don't want to call out Republicans or conservatives, but... You know, conservatives are really on board with this. We got to keep America safe again. And so we're going to uh, allow them to listen to everything. And if you don't have anything to hide, you shouldn't be worried about it. Well, let me tell you what. Constitution says you can't do that. And how many times have you heard a conservative, a Republican, talk about the Constitution and how they get to keep their guns? The Second Amendment, Constitution's not a living, breathing document. doesn't matter if they only have muskets back in those days. Second Amendment applies to everything we have these days. But then we're going to go and take the Fourth Amendment and say, well... 
uh, you know, we didn't have these issues back whenever they wrote the Constitution, so we get to use it for whatever the heck we want right now. And I don't like it whenever people practice the most ridiculous hypocrisy you've ever seen in your entire life, which is, listen, there's only one amendment separating these two. It's not that hard to flip back and forth between the two of them. So one of them <laughs> says you can't do something. The other one says you have a right to do something. They completely support one of them, say it doesn't matter what year it is. And then the other one, they say, ah, Fourth Amendment doesn't doesn't matter. It's 2018. Who cares? So it just figure out what you believe in, people. What are your principles? Is it the Constitution or is it whatever your emotions tell you to do right now? That's what I want to know. And I have I have some hilarious quotes by Edward Snowden on this, which if you don't know who Edward Snowden is, he was the uh, NSA contractor. He also worked for the CIA, who was a genius uh, at computers. He created some of these programs they still use today. And he finally was like, this is wrong. There's something about this wrong. And so he decided to become a whistleblower because doing it the right way got people shut down. Some people killed. We don't know for hundred percent. Probably thrown in prison. Speculating a little bit. Definitely some people in prison. And so he was like, well, I'm not going to go out like that. I want the American people to actually know what happened. So he actually blew the whistle on a lot of these secret programs that were happening behind our backs. And he, everyone always tells him, and this is, this is a quote from Edward Snowden, the common argument we have, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. The origins of that are literally Nazi propaganda. <laughs> so, so all you leftists out there who hate the Nazis, but you support this, there's some more hypocrisy for you. It's literally what the Nazis used to, to convince the people to give back their guns, to give people access to all their private lives and everything, because what the government can use against you, it will. It will. And there's some other quotes in here. I want to I want to go on in here because he also says privacy is is something to protect. That's who you are. Privacy is baked into our language, our core concepts of government and self in every way. That's why we call it private property. Without privacy, you don't have anything for yourself. He goes on to say, arguing that you don't care about privacy because you have nothing to hide is like arguing that you don't care about free speech because you have nothing to say. And of course, your favorite Benjamin Franklin said the famous, those who give up liberty for security deserve neither. Neither one of them. So uh, hopefully Rand Paul does some good with this filibuster. I think we all know that um, those don't normally work out the way we want. But then Trump, hey, he might be scared of the government being able to search people like this. Depends on what those generals whispering in his ear are saying. We'll we'll see. They could be telling them that we have to have this. But, you know, hopefully it works out for the best way. But uh, I think, are we going to switch over to the, uh, maybe the the buybacks real quick or the... um, yeah, we're going to jump back to something you talked about last week. With oh, the, yeah. You know, we, we explored that hypothetical argument with Walmart giving everyone a raise to $15, but they were too cheap to do any of that. I think they came out and maybe surprised a few people. They did. They came out, uh, I believe, yesterday and said that they're going to raise Walmart's minimum wage is now $11 an hour. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what the federal minimum wage is, but it's a lot lower than $11 an hour. Seven twenty-five still. So Walmart, on its own, raising it in response to the corporate tax cut from 35% down to 21%. But 
On the same day, they announced that they are closing 63 Sam's Club locations. And I saw a lot of people upset about this. I know you guys did. I know, Charlie, you were talking to me about it, too. You saw some people upset. Yeah, they're still greedy, greedy capitalists, aren't they? Well, they also added uh, $1,000 bonuses to a lot of employees as well. I don't know if you saw that part. I didn't. I actually didn't so, so see they, that part. They no. joined the club with uh, AT&T and a couple of other... There's now uh, well over a million employees in the U.S. have received some type of bonus or pay raise directly affected by this uh, corporate tax cut. The thing I want to ask, because I saw a lot of people, well, yeah, they're raising their minimum wage, but they closed 63 stores. Now, I'm going to say this one more time. Walmart's got 2.3 million employees. Uh, Between those 63 stores, you're probably talking about 6,300 people that got uh, that went out of a job. Maybe call it 10,000 people. Who cares? 2.3 million people. 2.299 people now have gotten a a raise up to at least $11 an hour. And what I want to know is. What do you expect these stores to do that they're closing? The people who are like, oh, they're closed. They shouldn't be closing these stores. That's putting people out of work. Do you just expect them to keep a store that's losing money just in operation out of principle? Like pumping gas in New Jersey with the, uh, you know, the full service thing that they just got rid of. I just want to know if you own the, let's say you're one of the workers at one of these Sam clubs. (laughs) Let's say you're one of the workers at one of these Sam's clubs. Uh, do you want to sign a contract saying that you'll be equally liable for that store's losses? I I would say that's absurd. No, don't, you wouldn't sign want to me do up that. for that one. You don't want to be liable for the losses, do you? you? Want the company to be liable for the store's losses? But uh, if they make profits, you want to be involved in that. So you want you want to be involved. You want in that. none of the risk. Yeah, but so you, you want. <laughs> All the reward. You know what they say, with zero risk, you reap a huge reward. That's what the saying has always been. But that's what all these employees want. They want a zero risk. They want to be there. They want the store to stay open, even if it's losing money. I guarantee you, they decided to raise their wages to $11 an hour, and they had these red things pop up saying, oh, we got 63 stores that are all going to be in the negative whenever you raise this up to $11 an hour for the employees. And they said, well... Let's close those 63 stores and let's raise the wages for the other 2.3 million people that work for us. And some of these people came up for minimum wage, too. Yeah. So they're getting like a 30, 40% pay raise. Yeah, they're coming in for the minimum wage and getting raised up to 11. But no, all of the, uh, the people who hate this corporate tax cut, all they're talking about is, well, they closed 63 stores. And all I'm saying is get a calculator out, people. Write down some numbers before you speak because you got 2.3 million people that just got a pay raise and you got probably 7,000 that just got cut out of a job and they'll probably get hired somewhere else. But we're talking about they just didn't want to operate some stores at a loss. And if you want to, if you want to know how business feels, maybe just sign that contract saying, yeah, if my store loses money, I'll be, I'll be okay with not making any money or maybe even paying money to the store because I'm going to share those losses with them. Would you guys do that? Maybe? No. And if you don't want to do that, how about you just start your own business and, yeah. and see what it's like for yourself? That's the thing that this, people don't realize. When you start your own business, this is what you're saying. And this is what you're saying, especially in America. I'm going to accept 100% of the losses that my business takes on. 
that you might not get paid. Yeah, you might not get anything. I'm going to accept 100% of the losses that my business takes on in hopes that I can someday turn at least a 2.8% net profit. And that is what a business owner is dealing with all the time. An employee gets to go to work, count their hours, get paid regardless. The business owner has to pay them whether or not they lost money. All they did is a simple dollars and cents move, closing stores that aren't making money. But anyway, I digress on that point. Maybe for some of these people that don't have calculators, maybe we could take the worst offenders on Twitter and send them a big freedom abacus. Yeah. Well, we could we could maybe send out like what are those uh, the things that um you know that the people at, at NASA used to use that uh you know they the slide rule that's what they need maybe a slide rule instead of their calculator but like a taxes slide rule to tell them but um, we can, we'll get right on that <laughs> we're gonna get that one worked up with the uh, you know. The American Dream Starter Kit. Yeah, that's a good. On the bigfreedomshow.com slash store, you might find these things. It's not there yet. Don't waste your time. Yeah. Coming soon. Um, So anyway, the other thing I've noticed in my Twitter escapades this week is that uh, whenever you talk about uh, this tax cut, this evil, terrible tax cut where you let people keep some of their own money, um, they're like, oh, well, what about all of the... uh, stockholder the shareholder buyback programs well we can't ignore those all these people getting raises all these millions of people getting raises but what about these shareholder buybacks and all i want to know is do you actually know what a shareholder buyback is do do, do you guys know what they are i do it well it only benefits the ceo that's it this is just yeah, for the executives that's all it is. it's because the executives are greedy and and it's going to benefit them right so <laughs> dripping with sarcasm here a little bit of sarcasm this is what happens in the shareholder buyback and when you use the term shareholder like an evil term do you have a roth ra R- do you have a roth ira do you have a 401k do you have a? Are you invested in a mutual fund? Um, do oh, you have any kind of retirement do you pension? Have a pen, yeah, a, a, a pension program, whatsoever. Uh, then guess what? You're a shareholder in a company. You evil piece of crap. You you evil shareholder. So what happens whenever a um, a company does a stock buyback? Is they say I'm I'm going to break this down into just really simple numbers right here. Let's say a stock has a, uh, a total amount of 1,000 shares available, and we have valued this business at $1,000. That means that each, each stock in that company is going to be worth $1 at that point in time. So what happens is the company, they decide to reinvest some money, and we all know they're given they're, they're some of their CEOs or things like that. They're giving them some bonuses by offering the stock buybacks. But they come in and they say, we've got 1,000 total shares on the market, and we're worth $1,000. We're going to come in, and we're going to buy back a hundred shares of that right now. We're going to take a hundred shares off the market and we're going to offer a dollar for each one of those shares. Well, uh, what happens is your total amount of shares in that point uh, gets decreased down to 900, but the value of the company stays the same. So what happens in a shareholder buyback program? Almost every single time, 
the stock price rises immediately, goes up. In this case, by 10%. (laughs) It it goes up by exactly 10%. So if you use this scenario, you decreased it by 100 shares, and the stock is still valued at $1,000, your stock just went from worth $1 per share to worth $1.11 per share. And all I want to know is why are we just worried about the CEO, the CEO, the COO, all these people in the, all these administrative people that are making money by selling their stocks? Why are we talking about the millions upon millions of millions of people who have pensions, 401ks, all of these other things that are invested in these companies whose stock go up whenever we see a shareholder buyback program go through? It's your grandma, it's your mom, it's your, it's your retirement Teachers, fund. police officers, most, all of most these Most people are passive investors. They just know they have a retirement. They don't know what their money's doing. They know nothing about it. And then they post things like this. So when you say, what about the shareholder buybacks? You're talking about everyone who has a mutual fund, 401k, all these things. They're stock value is going up during a shareholder buyback, not just the one guy that got to buy back some some shares. Everyone's price goes up. Everyone makes money. We need to stop talking about it like it's a bad thing. So we're going to wrap things up here with another little segment. We've kind of each week been going over some of the foundational things that we believe and why freedom or liberty, if you will, is important to each one of us. And I think one of the things we've sort of figured out as we've done the show is there's hot points for everybody. Um, Nate Nate knows how to make me mad. I know how to make Na- Nate pretty mad. Um, Charlie just makes everyone mad. Um, you know, and so I asked the guys, I said, look, let's talk about what one thing about freedom do you care the most about? You know, I've heard the quote a lot of times that freedom makes strange bedfellows. And these guys hear me say it over and over again because we all might not, might not care about the same thing, but we've all got something that we care about where freedom is important to us. So I just wanted to go around real quick and see what that thing is for you. And I'm going to start with Charlie over here. Well, John, I'm going to go with... <laughs> I told Charlie before this that we're going to go ahead. We're in Nashville right now, so we're just going to finish the episode with all freedom! Southern accents uh, starting now. Well, right now, what I'm trying to say here is my biggest thing for freedom has to do with the freedom of thought. Now, look, I'm going to go back down to my previous, what I was saying earlier about the Edward Snowden man, you know, that guy <laughs> that released everything. And, uh, you know, for the first time in my life, y'all ever been on Google? For the first time in my life, I went to Google something. I was trying to research about that Edward Snowden guy. And well, I, I saw that movie. Is that that same guy from that movie that we saw that had that? Uh, was that Justin Timberlake that was in that, or who was that? I can't remember. It wasn't. It was no. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, wasn't it? It was somebody like. It was a good movie though. Duke's well, Hazard. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Basically, what's happening is America government is spying on us, and this guy came out and and told us about it. He preached it and released it to the airways. But really, the freedom of the thought. Because I was scared to Google something, trying to research what he was what he was coming at, and there's there's an old guy by the name of Ben Franklin not here with us anymore. He was one of our forefathers. Um, there's another quote by him I like: "Without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom, and no such thing as public liberty. Without freedom of speech." 
Well, that there's a beautiful quote, Charlie. I'm really glad you read that from Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I'm real glad you read that quote right there, Charlie. Well, my favorite thing, John, whenever we talk about liberty, liberty, that's with a D in there, just in case you were wondering, uh, I just want the freedom to trade. And when I'm talking about freedom of trade, man, I ain't talking about trading stocks or anything like that. Any of those fancy pants boys up there in New York trading their stocks. I'm talking about whenever I make something and I have a business and I want to sell it to someone, I just want to be able to sell what I make to someone else without someone else getting in my way. And so like if, if you want a Twizzler, you want to yeah. be, hey, can I have your Twizzler? I'll give you one of my biscuits. And that person says, hey, listen, I just made my grandma's best biscuits, okay? She came straight down here, made some biscuits, and I'd like a biscuit for your Twizzler, please, sir. And he says, well, man, I reckon I really want that biscuit, and I could give you two or three Twizzlers for that there biscuit right now. And uh, can you put some cheese on it? And so what I want to do is make sure that the government's not getting in my way of being able to trade with people. And if that involves money, which is what we use for trading these days, because sometimes the guy that's making Twizzlers ain't in my backyard. He's somewhere over in California. So we use some money. We use money to do this trading. And uh, I pay money for something and someone else uh, gives me money whenever I give them my biscuits. And so I just want the freedom to do that, Charlie. Lispy, are you saying that there's a, you you should only be, or you can bake biscuits for whoever you want to, and then you shouldn't have to bake biscuits for people you don't want to bake biscuits for? (laughs) I did not expect you to go into the biscuit baking (laughs) argument right now. But yes, I do reckon uh, they are my biscuits, and I bake them, and I spend all the money to do them. And I don't reckon anyone could force me. To, to sell no biscuits to some people uh, that I don't want to sell them to. You know, some liberal comes up to me and says, hey, I want a biscuit. I would say, no, you ain't getting my biscuits. They're from Republicans only. So uh, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> anyway, my, <laughs> my freedom is that uh, I want to be able to trade with people freely. That's all I got. John, yeah. what you got over there? <laughs> I got none of that. Nate can keep his biscuits to himself. (laughs) Charlie brought the biscuits up now. That was his idea. I think the biggest thing for me is just that the government treats everyone equally and that we all have an equal chance and an equal shot to succeed. And I don't mean by that that, you know, sometimes we're all brought up differently or we might start from different places. But as far as the government's concerned, I think it should treat us all the same. So everyone's got the same opportunity for success and the same... The same freedom of trade, the same enforcement of the law. I think that's super important to having a a really prosperous society. So like with tariffs where they just decide to say, hey, you make solar panels, uh, that means you get a 35% tax. Which, you know, I wasn't going to go to the tariff daddy today. I was trying to give him a rest. But I don't know if I told you guys this real quick. Don't want to take too much of a turn. But I was going to buy some windows from Germany. I was like, oh, they're a lot cheaper in Germany. Then I realized there's tariffs on windows from Germany because apparently our manufacturers need protection. So once you ship them over here, they're more there's expensive There's a 5.3% tariff. But, guys, there's some, some good news. For my window screens, there's only a 3% tariff. Hmm. So I guess screens are less competitive. But that's an example of what I really don't like. Everything John, should be the same. Side note here. Is there a single part of your house that you were going to get made in the 
the well, I mean, I guess I guess concrete. the concrete, concrete, the concrete. The, the land is very Nashville. Okay, um, <laughs> land's uh, true American. Red, white, and blue. Yeah, I think that's it. I think hardy board and concrete. So, so everything con- for your house comes cheaper from everywhere else. Yeah. But you're, well, American yeah. labor, that's a commodity. That's well, true. The question is, is it really American labor? <laughs> yeah, you knows? guys don't don't send ice around. No, I'm just kidding. It is American labor, but yeah. yeah. Well, I just wanted to know why, you know, we're not going to go off on this, but man, it seems like all these other countries are able to produce goods at a cheaper price. That's weird. Might have something to do with some lower corporate tax rates or the fact that they, you know, tax them with a little bit more of a fair system. I don't know. So you all, you just don't like it whenever they say, hey, I'm going to tax you at this rate. And, oh, well, you represent some interest that I care about. So I'm going to tax you less. Kind of like if I say, hey, you know what? You've got a thousand acre farm in Illinois and, you know, you can grow corn, Nate. And if you grow that corn for the grocery store, you know, there's not going to be, there's going to be a 20% tax on that corn. But if you grow it for ethanol, well, not only is there no tax, we're going to give you bonus bucks, 20% bonus bucks on everything. Or if there's not enough of a market, we're going to pay you for that. So that's what really drives me crazy. Or when different people are able to get away with different things, kind of like your all-star player in an NHL Stanley Cup final. If you're Crosby, you know, that's that kind of stuff drives me crazy. You can get bash away. people's heads against the ice if you're yeah. Crosby and yeah, no one so, says a thing about so it. So I want my government to be agnostic. I want it to have no favorites. And I just, you know, I, I want us all to be treated the same. That's really the biggest thing with me. And of course, the less government interaction, the better. But the few interactions that we do have, I want them to be the same for everybody. <laughs> Good. No, that's it right there. I, I, got, got, I got one word in there of redneck voice for you. Freedom of thought. Bacon biscuits and government equality. Government equality, right there. We'll leave you to think on that one. All right, guys. So that's it for this week's episode of the Big Freedom Show. We hope you guys have enjoyed it. Trying out a few new things still. Tweet us if you want to talk to Nate. Nate will be there, right? Yeah, well, right there. Big Freedom Show on Twitter. You might end up on trolling with Nate. Please like, share the show. We'll see you next week.